0: The game is over when the horn sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 chance.
1: Carly McAvoy scores with a minute 50 left in overtime. The Boston Bruins get a 6-5 decision against the Edmonton Oilers, whose record on the season goes to 33-18-2. The Oilers get a point out of a game that they looked like they were right out of with about six minutes left in the second period. In fact, with 6.03 left in the second, Jake DeBrus scored. It was 4-1 Boston. The Oilers were doing almost nothing well, and uh, it looked like it was lights out. But Warren Fogle got a goal with four and a half minutes left in the second. The Oilers pushed late in the second period and then tied it up quickly in the third. Two goals in a minute ten from Yanmark and Perry. And then with 12 and a half minutes to go in the third, we were even with the Oilers having all the momentum. Some sloppy play in the Oilers' end allowed Pasternak to give Boston a 5-4 lead with 7-19 to go. Again, the Oilers replied. 42 seconds later, Zach Hyman got his 34th on a rebound. That made it 5-5. And then the game was right there for the taking for the Edmonton Oilers' James Van a flagged for tripping Matthias Janmark with 20.6 seconds left in regulation. Oilers on the power play, and both the goalies tonight had some tough moments. Jeremy Swayman for the Bruins, Stuart Skinner for the Oilers, but a huge save... In overtime, 29 seconds into overtime, so the Oilers have the four-on-three power play. McDavid gets it over to Dreisaitl for the one-timer, exactly where he likes to shoot it, and Swayman made an incredible pad save. Now, Skinner did make a huge save in overtime as well. JVR had a breakaway out of the penalty box. Skinner stopped it, but then with a tired Oilers group of players on the ice after an icing during the three-on-three, McAvoy walks down the middle, maneuvers around Skinner, and ends the game. So Boston goes to 34, 12, and 11. All right, let's go at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Name one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. Here's Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch.
2: Went down.
3: I think we're slow, flat in the first period. I think our game got better as the game went on. Third period, I thought we played with a lot of desperation, a lot of um, urgency. Um, The offensive zone, I think it started probably the last five, seven minutes in the second period, and I just carried on in the third period where, you know, we had a lot of zone time. We were able to get a lot of shots, recovered those, and then we were able to just get secondary opportunities there.
4: Did you feel like some of the wounds were a little bit self-inflicted,
3: maybe just some tough decisions, be icings and OT and those things? Yeah, no, it was unfortunate. We had an opportunity to, um, you know, get the um, 2 on one there. Indirect, little comes off fast off the wall, just because they're, the angle's tough to make that pass. Um, you know, just little details like that, unfortunate. And then it leads to us being tired, having to defend, and... Um, and anytime you have possession of the puck in three-on-three, in three, just huge advantage. You never know what's going to happen. Chris, you look at the uh, the
2: amount of goals against? Do you, do you, how much of that is a combination? Like team defense? To, you know, Stewart obviously you know, would have wanted probably the one back for sure. What do you make of the goals against lately for your team?
3: Well, I think uh, – five on five our goals against has been probably just right on par up until tonight tonight obviously a little more but the rest of them since the break five on five has been good it's uh, the penalty kill been leaking and we need to shore that up tonight was one but um, since the break our five on five defensive play i don't think we've given up very much for goals Three goals directly off of
2: point shots tonight. Guys going to the net. Um, Zach Hyman talked about how even during the winning streak, five on five wasn't easy for you to produce offense. Is, is that a is that something you discussed more? Because you did three in the third period alone, and that really necessarily hasn't been a calling card from your team. Just get pucks on net and get rebounds.
3: Yeah, we want to play faster, simple, and the only way to do that is just do you have to fire some pucks from the point, and you ultimately. Those aren't usually going in, but it's usually the secondary opportunities. You're breaking them down, and whether it's um, a loose puck in front of the net, or maybe it's just uh, something that we recover from the corner. You know, they have to get in position. They're not set. That's where you're going to break them down and take advantage of um, them being out of position. So, I liked it. We played a lot faster, a little more direct, and um, like to do that uh, right from the start. Chris, Ryan Eugene Hopkins touches a lot of parts
1: of the game as a coach. Can you explain your thought process of trying to kind of fill all those holes that he touches uh, normally without him tonight?
3: Well, one of it is, uh, you know, running mate left wing with McDavid has been very strong and Vogel's been playing really well. And, you know, we thought he could handle it, but Vogel was outstanding tonight. He definitely stepped up and did that. Uh, Penalty kill. You know the very difficult. He's usually the first guy over the board that and power play. What he does there with his calmness, making plays. Um, but it's all an opportunity for somebody else to step up and an opportunity for Fogle tonight. He absolutely stood up and um, yeah, it's we missed him. But uh, throughout the year, you, you're going to be missing some of your better players. Yeah, and, and
1: for, you mentioned Fogle having a very good game and you know, McLeod and Perry moving up at different times too. Did you do, did you feel Nugent Hopkins' absence though kind of affected, you know, your bottom two lines a little bit tonight and having other guys having to step
3: up? Um, yeah, anytime you have to raise somebody and move them up a line that, you know, usually that player can do it for a short period of time. And, um, but, you know, you do miss that depth, make it a bit more difficult, especially tonight when they were at uh, five defensemen for pretty much the entire night. You know, he like the, um, third, fourth line take advantage, and, and we did. We got a goal out of Yanmark's line there in the third period, so yeah, you're always wanting um, as a coach, you always have an idea of where guys should be slotted and who they should be playing with. Chris, you mentioned you, you thought your game came on in the latter part of the second period, but you're outscored 3-1. You've been outscored badly in the second period the so last five games. Why is that? Um, yeah, no, I'm not sure. Well, last few games, I don't think we've given up much, five on five. A lot of it's down kill, clean that up. It's not so much. And then you get a four-on-three in the overtime. That's usually money in the bank for your team. Was that just one of those times where Swayman made two really good saves? Uh, um, We had really good looks. We had good shots. Um, You know, I think about Boosh had some good looks, a couple that just missed the net, but I think it was the right uh, choice to make those shots. And then the save that he made on um, Leon, one if not two of them, you know, we thought that they were, were going in, but Swayman made nice saves there
2: couple times now where Corey Perry, maybe when things aren't going great, has figured out a way to affect some change. Maybe just a thought on kind of his sense of timing um, and then getting on the score
3: sheet as well. Corey's, he's played a lot of hockey games. He knows um, what it takes to win and when things aren't going well and directing the course of the game into another direction and making big plays. Scored a big goal in the um, third period. You know, got in a fight. You know, he does a lot of little things that are very important to the successful hockey team. Thanks.
1: All right, that's Oilers head coach Chris Doblock after the Bruins beat the Oilers 6-5 in overtime. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins in Studio 99 for Heartland Ford. Overtime Open Line. Uh, Rob... Uh, I was saying earlier, a game with six minutes left in the second period, you would have been thrilled for the Oilers to get a point out of because they were badly outplayed through the first 25 minutes, totally shifted it in the third. Both goalies probably, well, not probably, I mean, at least one each, if not, if not a couple each, uh, that they would like back. Uh, but in the end, Boston figures it out. Let's, let's talk about that sequence in overtime here. I know a lot happened, but get stuff at the end of the game is remembered. So... The Swayman makes the great save on yep. on dry yeah, sidle. They get through. They get through the Boston gets through the penalty kill. Almost wins it on a breakaway. Skinner makes a great save there. So now the Oilers' big guns are oh, off the ice. Um, they came back with Nurse, McLeod, and Kane, who had some tough moments it was tonight. A tough game including, for Kane. So when, when that puck went out to center, and he's too tired. Should have he chased it oh, anyway to negate the icing? Should he have chased it? Absolutely he should have chased the cloud it. Because then McLeod could have changed. So it, it, he so, forces Swayman to touch it, right? So
5: the Oilers actually had two great opportunities that were muffled. There was a race, just before that, there was a two-on-one that Kane couldn't get a handle on it. He and McLeod had a two-on-one. Both Bruins were caught deep. They didn't get the puck. The Bruin defenseman came over, made a nice play, got it in deep. All of a sudden, the Bruins had three guys caught in deep, and Nurse tries bouncing it off the boards to Kane and McLeod. It would have been a 2-on-0. Kane was up at centre. The puck didn't bounce right, and it goes down the ice. Evander Kane is at centre. The closest Bruin is probably at the blue line. The puck is going down. It's being ice. All Kane has to do is skate towards the goalie. He doesn't even have to go fast. Just skate towards the goalie, get across the blue line. Swayman would have come out and played the puck because there was nobody, no Bruin, even thinking about back-checking. Kane doesn't do that. Swayman, now this is the key of the game right here. Swayman, at this point, the Bruins had posted up, up at the red line. They wanted Swayman to get the puck and shoot it down. So there was no Bruin even thinking about coming back there. It was only Evander Kane. So all Evander Kane has to go is skate towards to the goalie. Both McLeod and Nurse could have changed. And Swayman would have taken.
1: Kane could have peeled off at the hash mark. Wanted,
5: yes, because the goalie had to come out and play it because there was Kane was by himself. The, Swayman is not going to allow Kane to get close enough that now he's in no man's land behind the net. But Kane just goes to the net, and Swayman. The, the Bruins were screaming for Swayman to play it, but Swayman was smart. He's like, "This is going to be icing. They're not going to be able to put Connor and Leon on the ice. They're going to have dead tired group out there, and we're going to get fresh guys on the ice." Swayman, who had a horrible hockey game, like I've watched a lot of Bruins games. This was the worst game I've seen him play. He was terrible. He made two saves in overtime, but the play of the game was getting the icing, and now all of a sudden a dead-tired threesome were on the ice. McLeod on his offside for a faceoff, and the Boston Bruins put three fresh guys out. They had the guy win a faceoff. There was zero chance that the Edmonton Oilers were going to touch that puck, and it was just a matter of whether there's going to be a save or a goal. And, I mean... The Kane sliding across on McAvoy, that is uh, uh, someone who's completely spent. He's got nothing in him, and it's like, I hope this hits me. I really hope this hits me. So, uh, Kane, that was a mental mistake by a veteran player that you can't make. And it was a a great play by Swayman, understanding what was happening on the ice. That was good game management.
1: Yeah, because you could see him... And he couldn't leave, because I think leaving the crease negates yep. the icing and, too, right? And, and you could see him waving, like, he arm was, up. He's like, got no, his guys, arm up. Icing, this is going to be icing. Be, guys, like, and he
5: was doing it because his
1: teammates were yelling at him to yeah. play the puck. Because one of them has to come back, at least to come back far enough to get the whistle, right? Even oh, yeah. It's they no would touch. Have, somebody had to, have to go back. Well, they there, would have right? had to get yeah. to the, to the, the hash, hash marks. marks
5: yeah. And there was, there was, the Bruins weren't even trying to come back. They had posted up because the puck was sent down. They thought Swayman was going to come out and play it. So did Kane. But Kane's got to realize, in that situation, you got to force the goalie to play it. Because McLeod and Nurse were on their way to the bench. And and at that point, now then Kane tried a lot of gamesmanship afterwards, trying to slow everything down. But they were done. So that was a mistake. Evander Kane, it was a tough night for Evander Kane. The Pasternak goal, you can't throw the puck across the blue line in your own zone and he just hung his defenseman out to dry. And Pasternak, one of the best in the world at shooting the puck, has all the time in the world to walk in on two defensemen who at that point are standing still. Um, yeah, Swayman, uh, the, the Boston Bruins had this game in hand, and then Swayman, that goal that Yanmark scored, that was horrible. I mean, that's, that's Cody Ceci shooting. That's not Evan Bouchard. It gets through him, all of a sudden, the others have life. That goes in, and then the, the goal that Hyman scored to tie it, Ekholm shoots from the point. Uh, There's no screen, hits Swayman in the belly, and goes right to to Hyman. So Swayman made two plays, both in overtime, that allowed the Bruins to get the extra point.
1: You know, it's interesting. A lot of the rule tweaks the NHL has made over the last 10 years or so coming into play, uh, three on three overtime, obviously can't change after icing. Mm -hmm. Offensive team gets to pick which side. Face off, because under the old rules that draw would have been on mcLeod 's strong because it came down the left side, so they picked that side and well
5: another real change is how they in overtime they change ends so now you got and the, the change, long change yeah. so that didn't because eventually it come into play because the Bruins won the face off they took the puck outside the blue line, but because it was a long change, none of the oilers were able to get to the bench, and then they were just at the mercy of of the bruins and Give the Bruins credit. That was a very pretty goal. McElvoy is a fantastic defenseman, but the Oilers were not able to take advantage of a terrible game by Swayman, and an, or excuse me, a Bruin team that was missing its second, its third, and its fifth defenseman and had to play with five defensemen the entire night and two of them were minor league defensemen.
1: Yeah, uh, Greslick only played 35 seconds. He got hurt in the... First shift of the the game. Yeah, minute five into the game on a tripping penalty by Ryan McLeod. So Boston wins 6-5 in overtime. Uh, The good old high event... Hockey game, a uh, lot, of, lot of mistakes uh, really at both ends of the ice by the time we got through it. Uh, so the Oilers have to settle for a single point. I can tell you this, they did score five, so the Japanese Village goal light is on on 630ched.com. We turn it on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. So you can head to our website now, print up a coupon for an appetizer at Japanese Village, now open for lunch at Edmonton South and West Edmonton Mall, an afternoon celebration for the senses. Visit dot. CA, The final shots tonight, 44-35 for the Oilers. They uh, outshot Boston 19-10 in the third period. That and was
5: then, a high event third period.
1: Yeah, uh, crazy third period. Yanmark uh, scoring, Perry scoring, Pasternak scoring, Hyman scoring. The penalty to Ben Riemstijk, which...
5: I was a little surprised by that. I, was, uh, I mean, it was a penalty ah. at any other time in the game, but just before that, on the Hyman goal... The puck was in the corner, and McDavid cross-checked. I think it was number 90. I'm not even sure. Or, or Heinen from behind knocked him over, took the puck, and three seconds later it was in the back of the net. So they let that go, and I have no problem letting that go. But then you call the the one event raised by I'm like, okay, really, that was that was a little suspect. But the Oilers, unfortunately, weren't able to take advantage. Um, a couple, well, I think three or four missed. Nets by Bouchard. Two great saves. But also some untimely giveaways by the Oilers on the power plays. Twice they passed the puck right to Bruins who shot the puck down the ice. One almost turned into a a goal as Van Riesbdijk came out of the penalty box and was unable to find the five-hole on Stuart Skinner.
1: Evan Bouchard had 18 shot attempts. (laughs) Seriously? Five shots on goal, eight others blocked, and five more missed the net.
5: Well, I think all five that he missed the net were the ones in overtime. Well, the one
1: went over the net, I think, uh, in in overtime.
5: And then he almost hit Connor McDavid, was behind the net once, and he just missed him.
1: So, the Oilers had, uh, uh, the shot attempts tonight, by the way, the Oilers had 95 shot attempts. Boston had 60 uh, the power plays for Conlon Motorsports to help get you out there. Visit one of Conlin Motorsports' four locations across Alberta or online at ConlonMotorsports.ca. Boston went one for two. The Oilers 0 for three, including the big one that uh, could have won them the game in OT. So the Oilers PK, uh, Boston seems like it, ages ago now. Boston's <laughs> first goal of the game, two thirty-four into the game, was uh, on the power play. Geeky shoots it in from the line and yep. uh, gets goes right, uh, those of them get tipped, that one goes right in the top corner.
5: Well, that was when uh, McDavid was out. He took the spot of Nugent Hopkins on the penalty kill. He, he wasn't in the shooting lane, and then it was uh, a screen by the other defenseman, a flyby of the uh, Bruin Ford going in front. Stuart Skinner didn't see the puck at all, and then, I mean, I, I got a buddy that doesn't like the word puck luck, but it was one where that puck was just shot, and at a net that he hit. A lot of times you'll see that where the puck will just miss a net. That one found the top corner and uh, the Boston Bruins continued the Oilers' misery of killing penalties. And the second one, the, the Bruins didn't score but they probably should have as they had a number of grade A looks on their second power play but weren't able to find the back of the net.
1: So they set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it at 25%. The Bruins power play percentage tonight. So they're at 50. Greg took the over. He gets a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Corey Perry had a fight tonight. He scored the goal that tied it 4-4 as the Oilers lose 6-5 in overtime to the Bruins. Let's go down to the dressing room. Here's Perry.
6: Salvage so, your point when you're down four-one there, Corey. But kind of disappointing to be in that position in the first place, a little bit. Yeah, it was tough. Um, yeah, it didn't uh, didn't go our way in the first. You know. <laughs> 35 minutes, I guess you could say, until that last shift, in the, or a couple minutes left in the second. And then we came in, we found, talked about it, and um, you know, we found a way to get a point.
2: Do you need to have this conversation after the first, because it's kind of become a trend really bad in the second,
6: but that's really good in the third? I guess my bite might help, but... Uh, um, I guess if, if we had answers, we'd, we'd fix it right away. But if, uh, you know, if we play the way we, we can, the way we did the last five minutes of that second period, we hand them in, they couldn't change, they spoke a few times, and, and we just kept rolling them over. I mean, that's how we have to play. It's proven and, uh, and to be successful, and um, you know, we know we can do it. We've just got to put it together. Feel like there was some self-inflicted wounds a little bit tonight. Some things here and there. Some mistakes. Yeah, probably a few, few mistakes. Um, Something easy to clean up, but. Uh um, you know, like you said, we, we found a way to get a point and that's uh that's all that matters after after being down four one or four two. Or you I feel like there was a pretty big adjustment without Ryan in conference tonight. Just a lot of guys having to move around and pick up the slack open? Yeah, he's a huge part of this team. Um no, it's not an easy easy hole to fill, that's for sure. Um, but you know, I thought guys we're we're in and out of that spot and um, you know, everybody everybody found found their way and uh, and like I said we, we got a point and we'll move on and get ready for the next one.
1: All right, so that is uh, Corey Perry who had a goal. Also fought uh, Parker Wotherspoon tonight. To, he fought Patrick Maroon earlier in the season. Who did Wotherspoon Yeah, did? yeah. I was looking at his fight card in the minors. He fights not well, like all the time, but a you know, few a year. I
5: mean, he's that guy. He's a career minor leaguer. I think he's played 35 games in what seven, eight years pro. He was signed. I talked to Jed Surratt. The, play-by-play guy for the Boston Bruins, and he said he was signed as a a depth player to be in the minors, and uh, the number of injuries that the the Bruins have had, he's had to jump in and play, but we talked about poor gamesmanship with with Kane in overtime, great gamesmanship was Corey Perry, he got into a fight with a defenseman, there was only five defensemen playing the entire night, when he took that defenseman off the ice, Weatherspoon, all of a sudden they were down to four defensemen. That is good gamesmanship, and I guarantee you 100% Corey Perry knew exactly what he was doing when he challenged uh, that player to a fight, and he forced the Bruins to play with just four defensemen just to fatigue them a little bit more.
1: Perry was the second star in this game. Warren Fogle with a couple of goals was the first star, Jake DeBrusque, who had a goal and assisted on the game winner as well. Did he have another assist? There's a lot of... Stats, the I think he takes. just had one and one. One tonight. and one. So Jake Debrusk is the third star. We give out the fourth star for Jandel Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. Uh, I'll give it to Zach Hyman. Had a goal yep. and an assist. He was plus three. It's up to thirty-four goals on the season.
5: Big goal uh, at the end of the game. Got them the, the point. Uh, I thought Zach Hyman was. I. I,
1: I I don't think the Oilers had a great game, but I thought Zach Hyman was one of the few that did. All right, 6-5. Boston wins in overtime. Wild one at Rogers Place. Uh, You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. That is the hotline powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. You're also going to hear from Hyman and also from Warren Fogle. This is Heartland Ford
0: Overtime Open Line. Hockey is brought to you by The Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 Chad. And out of the box. Van like the breakaway, the back end saved by Skinner! And he covers it up! James Van Reemsteynke comes out of the penalty box and gets a breakaway and Skinner shuts
1: the door. Well, that could have won it for boston in overtime they would win it a couple minutes later but that's skinner's save of the game for crystal glass call 310 glass or visit crystalglass.ca the dream rob the breakaway out of the penalty box (laughs) yeah
5: it's funny when there's all the penalties you get bench penalties or serving someone else's penalties when i played in pittsburgh that was my job and there was always there's there's the the good and the bad there's the bad where you step on just as they score and you get a stupid minus but there's always the dream that the puck bounces the right way for you. And I probably had two or three in my career where I got goals coming out of the penalty box and Van Riemsdyk, I'm sure there was a lot of tense sitting in the penalty box when you take a penalty that's going to cost you a game and when he had the opportunity I was shocked that that didn't go in. Normally when you get that chance you certainly put it in the net to make up for the big mistake you made earlier.
1: All right, so Boston gets the 6-5 overtime decision here against uh, the Oilers who have been very good in overtime and shootouts this season. They're now 33-18 and 2 on the year overall so just the uh, Winnipeg beat them in overtime that was like what the 4th or 5th game of the season. Uh, It's been a while um, just a bigger picture thought here first, Rob. Trade deadline mm-hmm. uh, two day, two weeks and two days away. Well, almost two weeks and one day. How 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 concerned are you about the forward depth? Uh, I'm. I'm it, it's funny. I looked today
5: online. I looked at over the last ten years the trades that have made by Stanley Cup champions. And almost every team, there, there was no star players. It was all depth players. They picked up depth forwards, they picked up depth defensemen, guys that could help. Some of the players they picked up never even played a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they had them. There was no, no one, they weren't trading for superstars. And the, the thing I read was, if you need to trade for a superstar, your team's probably not good enough as it is. So I do believe the Oilers need some depth. I think they need some size on the fourth line. Uh, I think they need a right-handed shot to take face-offs. And they need, on the back end, they need one if not two defensemen. And I I know there's talks about Cody Ceci moving out. Well, if you move Cody out, you're going to need at least two to three defensemen coming back. So uh, at one point, about uh, three weeks ago, I I think that the Oilers were pretty happy with just about everything going with their team. Uh, The Oilers, since the All-Star break, have been exposed a few times. They've given up eight straight games with three-plus goals. Their starting goaltender has now had six games of three-plus goals. Uh, Their power play has struggled. Their penalty killing has been awful. So everything that was going right for them before the All-Star break has not been. But this is what we talked about, you and I, Reid, that in the month of February, the Oilers are going to see where their deficiencies are because they're going to be playing the better teams in the National Hockey League. Well, over the last little while, we've seen some of them.
1: Yeah. um Yeah. I just, I mean, quite frankly, I think Perry's been good. Very good. I mean, good. They, need, they almost need another Corey Perry. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> well, right, the they're, whole they're, they're, league is pretty happy not, that not, g- there isn't any other You're ones. not going to get another Zach Hyman,
5: like what no. you're ta- talking well, about. You know, but I—but like, Zach Hyman is a star type Yeah, player. that's what I'm saying. Yes. That, I,
1: that's, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, you're you're not, need,
5: you need depth players. You need guys that uh, play with sandpaper. Well, need. let's face
1: it, anybody who was on the fourth line tonight... Which was Gagne, Ryan, and Brown. Brown again, my God. A couple of amazing chances. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's funny. But those are the players who need to be 13, 14, 15 in the playoffs. Or maybe 12, 13, 14.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, all you do is look at their ice time tonight. How much did the coach trust them in a close hockey game? Now, when you play in the playoffs, you're playing every second night and possibly every second night for two months.
1: Ryan played 731. Gagne played 644. Brown played 12:37, but he he well, got, he got sw- switched around. Switched around, but uh, Holloway only played 8:48. So that again, that's a coach not
5: having full trust in some of his players in in his lower depth position. So, uh, yeah, I I think they need their penalty killing hasn't been good. So do you have to be, do you bring in a penalty? In all honesty, and we talked about it the other night, the Oilers need Nick Bukestad. They need that's the type of player they need a big right hand shot guy that can play in your bottom six can move up if needed can penalty kill and he'll take the face-offs on the opposite side for you um yeah the the Oilers do need some depth players i don't know if they need a i know that we we talk a lot that the Oilers have five top six players go around the national hockey league how many teams have six three teams four Nobody I mean yeah, they don't. there's a lot
1: of cycling around yeah, forwards so it's, five through nine or yeah, five through eight. Most sure. teams
5: have three and four and five, but no very few have six. So I mean the Toronto Beliefs, they've got probably five too. There's a six that's always some young kid that's moving into the top six. So I don't know if the Oilers need that. I think the Oilers need depth players. I the Oilers if the Oilers run into injury problems, the Oilers are in trouble. Uh, and I've said it from day one I say it again the Oilers need two defensemen and probably two depth
1: forwards going forward. I just think up front if obviously scoring is always great but you just need that guy or guys that that area of the ice I always talk about five feet inside your own blue line the puck's out it's not put into a bad area it's not a lost puck battle or if you do lose a puck battle it's not you're always in the way you're always a nuisance for the other team. Well
5: look who the coach used down the stretch in this game, up in their top six. They moved Corey Perry up. What is he? He's a veteran player that has experience, that understands how to play the game in in certain situations. That's where the trust was. And this is a coaching staff that knew nothing about Corey Perry from being on a bench with him, but they can just see he understands the game. He always puts the puck in the right right position. He plays on the proper side. He plays in the right areas. Uh, That's the type of player the Oilers need. No. Perry is Perry, but you need a a veteran guy. And that's who I believe they need on the back end. The teams that have won Stanley Cups in the last number of years have gone out and found guys that have had experience in playoff runs that can fit into a lineup seamlessly. And I think that's what the Oilers need. And the Oilers, I mean... What are they five and four since the break? Four and four since the break. I don't even know what it is. Now. Yeah,
1: four and four. No. Four
5: and four. So they're five hundred. Oh, sorry, teams. four
1: three and one. Four three Okay, one. Yeah.
5: so they're yeah. more or less a five hundred team since the break, playing against the better teams in the National Hockey League. They've been exposed in a certain place.
1: Uh, Bruins win six five in overtime. We'll go to the Certainty Hotline. We have Big Bad Joe. Good morning, Big Bad Joe. Go ahead. Hey,
4: you guys. How are your things going? Uh, I hear Rob's quite a bit a quite a bit uh, heated up in his conversation with uh, Bob. But I have as a question: If um, do you can't call a timeout in overtime? Maybe it's a silly question. You can't call a timeout on an icing.
1: Okay, but he could have uh, uh, called it, it on the power
2: play. Could have called it the power I play,
5: but they, they're they got a tired bunch playing against them, I and mean, Connor and Leon aren't tired. But you're right on. Uh, but when they ice the puck, that's one of the rules they put in it, which is a great rule. Because it, it, if you, you get penalized for icing the puck, if you can call a timeout, the penal, its not you're not penalized. So yeah. you couldn't call a timeout there, and the Edmonton Oilers paid for it.
4: Yeah, I learned something and, and I have one more short point is from than It's about the coldies. Uh Why, but Rob, if you would be Colts, would you play picket more? Because you know maybe he, you know he he don't shoot the lights out, but he stops the puck when he needs to stop the puck. Would you play him more kid's keep well,
5: Skinner more rest? Well, it, it's funny. We, we talked the other day, a buddy of mine, and I would have played Pickard in Arizona. I would have gone back-to-back games with Pickard. He won in Dallas. I would have played him in Arizona. You're going to win that game. Uh, Pickard been, had won six straight, and then all of a sudden, Stuart Skinner gets five days of rest. And, and I don't know if he's tired now, but he's going to be because the Oilers have a really tough schedule going all the way through to the end of the season. And I think that a couple extra days rest now would pay dividends in, in the future weeks or months to come. So um, I think Pickard will get the next game, and, and then we'll see how he plays. We'll see how Skinner plays after that. Skinner's the starter. He's going to play the bulk of the games, but you will see Pickard more here in the month of February and March.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll see Pickard Friday, Skinner yep. Saturday and then i think after that we see. Yeah. For LA Monday and St. Louis on uh, on Wednesday. But yeah, you can no longer I mean, originally you could. The first day they said you couldn't change after an icing, but for a while you could call a timeout. Yeah. Now you can't okay. do it either. And, so. and
5: i agree, and i think that's a, a great rule and we saw how uh, how it affects the game tonight yeah. cuz the others would have a made a change and b called a timeout when they did another neither then they were in big big trouble.
1: We got a $500 donation from James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. It goes to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. James H. Brown filling the net with $100 every time the Oilers score. They needed one more tonight. They got five but lose 6-5 to the Bruins in overtime. All right, we got Kelly standing by as well. Hi, Kelly. Go ahead.
4: Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Quite well. Good. Um so I wouldn't mind you guys comment on Kane being put on in overtime to begin with. I think we all recognize the fact he didn't have his best showing today, and I think we could argue since the All-Star break, Kane hasn't played all that well altogether, other than, you know, he did put some goals in the net for the Oilers in the one game, but um, I look at the bench, and I'm I'm seeing Fogel's having a night. I'm looking at Hyman, he's having a night, and... Well, and well was on the capable. power
1: play, so that's why he wasn't so, on there.
4: Yeah, Hyman,
5: Leon, and Connor were just on the. Fogle's ice. an
1: excellent point. So,
5: Fo you're right. I 100% agree with Fogle. And your Kane did. Kane struggled. Kane did not have a good game tonight. Uh, I, I wouldn't say he's had been off in every game since the All Star break. He's had a. He's put the puck in the net, and he's got up to 21 on the season. Um, I Fogle to me was the best Oiler tonight in this hockey game, and certainly could have been on the ice in overtime and probably would have been my first choice after the power play well,
1: here's a question for you rob yep would have you gone mcleod nurse at home? no
5: no i would have gone sometimes you talk about two
1: defense it's, don't be afraid to put two d true, out there
5: true i but i only do that against connor and leon i think you have to against those two i think any coach that doesn't is silly um, no, I would, have, I would have gone Fogel. I, Fogel was the best player on the ice by far.
1: Oh, well, and Fogel can skate. I mean, obviously Perry had a pretty good game. But he's not going to get... You, do you want his legs out there in overtime? Probably not. Because you've got to remember, as soon as the Oilers
5: got off the power... Like, the, the Bruins didn't have their best players on the ice. They didn't have... There was no Pasternak, no Marchand, uh, no Zaka. Those guys weren't out on the ice for the kill. So the, the Bruins were coming back with power after the power play. So the Oilers certainly wanted to make sure they had some guys that could compete against those players. I would have gone with Fogle. He was their best player. If you want to go Fogle and McLeod, because you want a centerman, just in case, yep. you get stuck out there. Uh, but Chris Knobloch, who normally makes the right call, he decided to go with Evander Kane, and Kane made a mistake. He, he didn't try to outrace the the icing, and eventually it cost the Oilers.
1: Well, and you know, it was such a strange game because it became... A very, um, at times a little disorganized and at, uh, yep. and at times mistake-filled, and that that Pasternak tying goal, or sorry, the posternak goal to make it five-four. Yep. Uh, that was the one, I can't remember which player it was, that Boston player fanned on a one-timer. It was... Like, almost
5: comically. I think it was, I think it was Zaka. And
1: then, and the Oilers almost got an odd man rush off of that, and I think it was Leon was trying to poke the puck up and either, like, partially missed it or hit the guy's skate with it, and then it's still like, oh, now they're going to get it, and then Kane gets it and shoots it to the open wing, yeah, and it's held in.
5: Well, that was just, that was just again, a, a mistake made by a veteran player, and not picking on Kane, but we said that this was not a strong game for him. But Kane you're, you're what was he, six feet from the blue line on the far left side? All he has to do is off the boards and out, yeah. and then you're out of danger. Instead, he throws it all the way across, and when he did that, Pasternak's the first guy to get to it, and the Oilers defensemen have no chance to get up on him. They are stuck deep in their zone. They're standing still, and now Pasternak's coming in, and he's got all the time in the world. And he'd had three or four good looks. I think it was that lore guy that oh, held they kept it, it in. He gave was a
1: left-handed it. shot. That's held right. He threw in. it but back. Still, in and threw it back to Pasternak. Pasternak. Has so much room for him to pick his spot.
7: I know and with it's, a screen, I, I,
1: I, yeah, I, like. I know that one is, sure, a mid-range shot, but when Leon scores from that mid-range, we, we're not we talking about the goaltending. Yes. Like yeah. He can fire the puck. So.
5: Pasternak, he's one of the top three goal scorers in the National Hockey League. I think he, Leon, and Matthews are the three best goal scorers in the National Hockey League right now. Speaking of Matthews, who scored his 50th yeah. and 50th, 51st goals tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, scored his patented shot for the power play goal for his 50th, and then off his jaw off for his, his, his 51st. <laughs> But, yeah, they're just showing a replay of the Marchand goal. That's a bad goal. It was. Yep. Skinner.
1: There's, there's, honestly, he, I think if Skinner hadn't have moved, it might have hit his blocker. It's one of those where he almost <laughs> flinched out of the way on it. Now, the Debrusque goal, clearly, that's a huge defending error by the Oilers. There's two Bruins against one Oiler in front. So Debrusque 100%. gets the rebound and puts it in.
5: And the Pasternak goal late in the game, that was a, a giveaway by the Oilers, Kane. But, I mean, the one, the. The Boston Bruins had this game in hand. It's 4 2 in the third period. And they really weren't giving up much. CeCe puts the puck on net, and that gets through Swayman. And Yanmark's got a wide open net. That, I mean, again, that's not Bouchard shooting. That's CeCe. Good play by CeCe, getting the puck on net. Smart play by Yanmark, hanging around the blue paint. But you, you can't give up that goal. And yeah, here it is. So, Here's the pass. Track. So, the Oilers, so the Oilers have five a two guys or five. back. Yeah, they have five guys back. But, but. they're standing. But that's where Kane just, he's got to get the puck out. And then the last goal, Ekholm, there's nobody in front of Swayman. Ekholm shoots from the point, and Swayman doesn't swallow it. It hits his belly, goes right out in front to Hyman, and then it was almost like, okay, I'm going to open my legs now. Okay, shoot. And then Hyman puts it in between the legs. So... The, the game-winning goal was just a thing of beauty by McAvoy. Yeah, great move for
1: him. He just had. But, he, but, again, that's a fatigue play by oh, Kane to slide like that. <laughs> well, yeah, because if, I he, mean, Kane should, if Kane skates straight at him, then it at just McAvoy only has, to go, it only has one direction to go.
5: Well, if, if he skates right at him, McAvoy has to shoot. Right. He just skates at him, puts his stick out, tries to deflect it. But as he goes across, now Skinner's bit, Kane's flying by, and then McAvoy just makes – McAvoy, he is a great defenseman in the National Hockey League.
1: By the way, uh, Rob was talking about Matthew's game tonight. Maple Leafs beat the Coyotes 6-3 as we go to the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals. Your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Blue Jackets over the Ducks 7-4. Flyers beat Chicago 3-1. Buffalo wins 3-2 in Montreal. The Oil Kings scored with 33 seconds left to tie it and 10 seconds left to win it. The hockey hockey game five four win over Calgary at the Scotties. Alberta beaten for the first time eight seven by Newfoundland and Labrador. But still, it's been a great week so far for the Sturmay rink. They are six and one. Okay, we'll get to another call or two in a second here. But back down to the dressing room. Here's Zach Hyman.
7: Thrilled uh, to be down. Yeah, I think you know you grab bits and pieces. I think you're happy with the way that you battled back you know, 4-1 against a really good team to be able to come back twice um, and earn a point, I think, is, um, you know, it says a lot about our team when we face adversity. And at the same time, you don't want to put yourself in that position, right? I think we have to learn, you know, since we've been back, I think we put ourselves in this position too too often, and uh, we have to learn to, you know, Quite consistently throughout the whole game again.
2: So that game the power play to start overtime for <clears tree>. three. <throat> mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, battling all the way back. Uh, real good opportunity there, just unable to cash. What did you see about the power play?
7: Yeah, just uh, thought we had a look, so just, you know, just missed the net by a little bit a couple times. I think we made a couple good saves on Leon on the one-timer. And, um, yeah, you just got to get looks, and we had a looks, and just going... Corey
2: Perry, you know, goal in a fight again, it's, twice already this year. Just talk about how he's kind of maybe
7: added a little bit of, you know, knowing when to try to stir things up to get the team going. Yeah, I think you know, the greatest compliment you can give somebody is he's just a, a winner, right? I think he knows how to win. Um, he knows what it takes. He's been in the league a long time. He's been to the finals. You I don't know how many times he's won a cup. Like he's a guy who has done it before and and can drag people into the fight. You know, it's four um, one or three one. I can't remember what the score was at the time, but you know, he gets into a fight and and obviously we get some life in the third. He gets a huge goal. You know, those are the goals that, that are scored in the playoffs. A so tip, <clears throat> follows it up, rebound goal. We need more of that, I think. So. Um, just a, a solid addition for us, obviously was there a, a
2: conversation you guys see anything in the first two periods because three goals directly off of point shots, and you just thought like it's that's not something that's necessarily come for your team a lot, mm-hmm. but you had three of them right in the third was that just a concerted effort
7: from something you'd seen on film at all? Uh, I think it's just a concerted effort to get to the net, like I think that's um you know, I think for a little bit, five and five goals are hard to come by for for us. Even during that winning streak we were on, we weren't scoring as you know, too many five and five goals. We weren't letting up a lot, and I think it's it's uh, an effort to to get to the areas where you score. I think, and we've worked on it, and I think we're doing a good job of doing that. And now we got to and clean things up on our own end and make sure that we're not giving anything up. So,
6: how would you say the dynamic or makeup of the lineup change tonight without Ryan Newton hopkins
7: I mean, Nuge is an unbelievable player and a huge part of the team. He plays uh, in every facet of the game. And, you know, he's the first guy over the boards in the PK. He's on the first unit. Um, plays a ton five on five. So can't replace a guy like that. So just uh, a huge, huge part of the team. And, and obviously we missed him. Can you talk to how Fogle played tonight? You don't, you don't, you don't spot. Yeah, I think. that's like goals. Well, he played uh, awesome. I think yeah. uh, he's the guy who... When he gets an opportunity to you know, move up in the lineup, he makes most of it, obviously, right? I think um, he's someone who's fun to play with. He works so hard. He drives the net. Uh, he makes plays, so I think he's he's pretty underrated, in my opinion. I think he is uh, a phenomenal player, and, and I think he can create offense at five-on-five, five, and that's really hard to do in this league. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a great player for us.
1: Zach Hyman up to 34 goals on the season. He got the Oilers' fifth goal tonight. Boston wins six five in overtime. Let's bring in Mitchell on the Certainty Hotline. Mitchell, good morning. Go ahead, please.
4: Yes, hi. Um, I just want to say I respect uh, both you guys and the uh, um, well the entire radio team. Uh, I listen to a lot of games from very very far away, but um, where are I'm, you? I'm, uh, i'm in the washington d c area actually
1: <laughs> oh cool well, thanks for staying up
4: yeah, yeah, well, no problem. Um, listen your talk about uh potential uh additions uh coming up to the trade trade deadline while I listen to your games i don 't really uh tune in to uh, attendant uh, talk about you know the team. Otherwise, is is the situation with Skinner? Is the team? pretty much reconcile that he is going to be the guy that is going to you know be the the number one guy to lead to uh, you know hopefully for the team a deep playoff run or is there any no, possibility it's it's
5: 100 that- it's skinner skinner is their starter he is their guy and they are going to ride him through the playoffs so
1: they're yeah, what, do, what do you think mitchell why do you ask what are you thinking
4: well, uh, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of them, but uh, the Caps, who I don't think really have uh, much of a, a realistic chance, given where they stand, to make the playoffs. You know, aside from where they should be developmentally, to you know, to, to, to get back into you know a uh, prime place. Uh, you know, there's been quite a bit of talk here. In fact, uh, you were talking about uh, well. Bukestad, uh, uh you know, Dowd has been a lot of talk about him, him being a prime chip here, but otherwise, in terms of, well, Kemper hasn't had a good year at all, but uh, Lindgren uh, uh, possibly being shipped out. Um, now, my sense is, you know, here's a 30-year-old guy. Granted, he's had, you know, a very good year, although he's slackened off a bit lately, but, you know, there aren't too many guys that turn around their career at 30 years old, you know, maybe a Tim Thomas, and, you know, uh, so I'm not sure someone's going to invest uh, or, or trade back, a, you know, a real big ship. But yeah. uh, anyway, anyway, just hearing you talk talk about who they might be looking for. I was just wondering if that debate, if there was a debate uh, about, uh, you know, Skinner, which you're saying is not, uh, it's absolutely decided. Well, it is decided.
5: Well, Having said that, the Oilers still have about, what, five games, six games, seven games before the deadline. I
1: think if they could get a goalie who they thought was better than Pickard. No, I'm glad he brought Lindgren up, I mean, because we don't think of every player in the league. Lindgren only makes 1.1. Yep. And he's under contract next year as well. This year, he is 11-8-4 with a 9-15.
5: Again, Skinner has now given up six straight games, three-plus goals. He's probably going to have five more starts, six more starts before the deadline. If that continues, all of a sudden, the Edmonton Oilers, who two weeks ago were not even thinking about trading for a goaltender, now comes back into the conversation.
1: Here's the thing, and fans are going to probably be mad at me for saying this, but (laughs) we know what the reactions are, Rob. If Skinner has a, a poor playoff mm-hmm. and they don't go very far, okay, well, they should have got a better goalie. Well, okay, so here I'll state the obvious. You're not getting Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, <laughs> Demko, no. anybody like that. So I mean, maybe Marc-Andre Fleury is somehow the dream if you could make that work. So then if you're not getting one of those guys, you're getting somebody like Charlie Lindgren. Yeah. So if Skinner has a bad playoff, you're down 2-1 in a series. Charlie Lindgren goes in and allows four goals on 22 shots and you lose, well, then the, the criticism will be, well, he was a career backup. Why would you have you got him? Like, I, I, they, they may I, – I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that any trade could be made. No. I, I know what you're saying. But I don't know if any goaltender acquired – I mean, I think we got a little spoiled last year that they got Ekholm. You know yes. what I mean? Like, I don't know if any goaltender who could be acquired is going to be like, oh, my God, amazing. Like, that's the guy. And, no, let's I face agree. It, and let's face it, the one trade that in this, that this fan base is celebrated, and it should be, not everybody liked at the time for a goalie. Because no. the guy's name was Dwayne, Dwayne Rawlinson. You're right. Because I remember there was a lot of, seriously? What has this guy ever done?
5: Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, I, again, yeah, it, there, I do not, well, up until two weeks ago, there was no thought, I believe, of the Oilers going in another goaltender, whether it be someone it would be a 1B or someone just better than Pickard. But it has been eight straight games with three-plus goals for the Edmonton Oilers, and it has been six straight games by Stuart Skinner with three-plus goals. He hasn't looked as great as he did earlier in the season. There are, I, I, Again, I don't know how many games we have in the next two weeks, but probably seven, I'm guessing, would be a safe bet, and he'll get four to five starts. They were going to want to see better starts out of Stuart Skinner. Uh, for them to once again completely put to rest trying to trade for another goaltender.
1: All right, Oilers lose 6-5 in overtime to the Bruins. Warren Fogle scored a couple of times. You will hear from him. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
0: Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 6.30 chance. Vogel up against the boards. It comes free to Hyman. He'll get it in front to Vogel. Scots!
1: 4-2. All right, Oilers wind up losing 6-5 in overtime to Boston. Fogle had two goals. Here
6: he is. I mean, you grab a point there, Warren, but we're a little frustrated to be down the way you were in that game?
8: Yeah, um, like you just said there, you know, it's great that we got that point and, you know, we fought our way back, but... Just felt like a game where, you know, I thought I really thought we, uh, we made a really good push there. And, you know, I really thought we were uh, going to get the win there. You know, we had uh, goals from uh, every line there. And, you know, that's a really good feeling when everyone's contributing. And um, just really liked our game. Your game was really good filling in for huge. Uh yeah, just trying to make the most of my opportunity whenever uh, I get up there, but, you know, couldn't have done it without my line mates. You know, those are two amazing players, and, you know, those are great uh, great leaders on our team, and, you know, just making me feel comfortable playing with them. And um, Yeah, it was fun playing with them. When you're down 4-1 and you end up with a point, uh, is there a you know, certain victory there? Uh, yeah, um, you know, for this group, I think we got to have a better second period. Um, you know, it felt like today, even though the goals were going in, that we actually had a better second period, but... Um, you know, it, it's something that's bleeding in our game and something we know we got to improve on. Okay. Good. Sweet. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, All right, that's Warren Fogle. Thanks to Brendan Escott for getting us the interviews from the Oilers dressing room tonight. You can get more on the game on 630 dot globalnews.ca. Our next game broadcast Friday night, presented by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers, Oilers home to the Minnesota Wild. More of a... Uh, Usual start time for that game. 5.30 face-off show. Oilers now will be on at 4. Game at 7 on 6.30, Chet. Orders in the wild. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here in Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 6.30, Chet. We've been live in Studio 99. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers rally from 4-1 down, but lose 6-5 in OT to the Bruins.